Lights, and welcome to episode number 24 of This Week in Marvel, the official Marvel podcast for news, new releases, and information. I am Ryan Panagos, Executive Editorial Director for Marvel Digital Media Group, joined by Marvel.com Associate Editor Ben Morse, joined by Blake Garris, Associate Producer of Editorial Content, joined by Nancy Wynn, Web Editorial Intern. Yeah, the team's all here. We did it, guys. That was seamless. We made it. This is the sixth month anniversary yeah. of This Week in Marvel. Oof. Blake and Nancy have been here for every single one of them. Yeah. They have marched through the darkness and come out on the other side. I remember that first episode, Blake's beard was just starting to peek through. It was just whiskers, and now it's a full-blown thing of beauty. It's like a rabbit on his face. Yeah. Now he just can't get rid of it. Nope. Can't wait to see what it looks like at episode 48. Or even at episode 25. Yeah, which is next week, our silver anniversary. Goodness. Blake and I were doing the This Week in Marvel episode 23.5 on Tuesday with Tom Prebort and Nick Lowe. We talked about how our 25th episode was coming up. They made fun of us. <laughs> right? There's no, other so. way, there's no other way to put it. Tell them to put out Marvel Comics Presents again and we'll talk about some sort of more frequent production of... Never yeah. mind. I don't know where this is going. We're weekly. Yeah. How can we be more frequent? So if you were just... By, we're two times a week. We are, yeah. That's yeah. pretty epic. Yeah. And we've gotten, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on the uh, .5 episodes. People really like the interview-specific podcasts. So we're going to do more of those. Blake and I are heading to C2E2 in Chicago this coming weekend. And I'm going to interview the hell out of Ryan Stegman. Oof. I don't know if I'm going to talk to anyone else, but I love talking to Ryan. He's a goofball, just yeah. like me, so it's, it's fun. I just get hours of Stegman. That'll carry us through the new year. You know his ego would destroy us it's all. True. He's a He's an incredibly vain, wonderful man. Fortunately, he's really freaking good. Yeah, he's good. He's handsome. He's got a wonderful family. does. He's a good guy. Just incredibly egocentric. So if you're just joining us on This Week in Stegman, this is the Marvel <laughs> podcast for all things Ryan Marvel. Stegman. Yeah, and yeah. Ryan Stegman. So we're going to run through all the new comics available this week. Then we're going to run through any other stuff available, whether it's new TV episodes or video game stuff. Then we'll get to news. And finally, we'll answer your questions. If you guys have comments or questions about the show, about Marvel, use the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. Tweet out your requests, questions, comments. You could also tweet them to at agent underscore M, at Ben J. Morse, at Blake Garris, at Marvel, or at Strami. And we'll find them some way or another. But right now, let's dive right into the new comics on sale for the week of yeah. April 11th. We had a lot of new comics this week, so we're going to have to try to get through this because we got a lot of good ones, too. Starting off with a doozy here, Amazing Spider-Man Hookie, number one. It's a one-shot by Susan K. Putney and the great Bernie Wrightson on art. I did a little digging because Ryan and I saw this in our stack, and we were like, what is this? It's got Spider-Man battling these weird goo Lovecraftian monsters on the front cover and we had no idea what this was. It's a comic that was done for the 80s, for the mid-80s, and was just never released for whatever reason. Was it so not? No, I don't think so. According to the Indicia, because I also did some digging, Uh-oh. it was a Marvel graphic novel. Was it? So this or, was a full-on graphic novel? Yeah. A Marvel, That's I, why it's like 60-some-odd pages long. So it, it, it was released. I thought it was an unreleased graphic novel. Apparently it was released, but regardless, it came out around, I believe, 1986. Yep. And... I didn't know what 
to expect from this, but it, it was super cool. It was awesome. Yeah, this took me totally by surprise. I don't even know Susan K. Putney. I, I have no yeah. idea what her work is. I have no idea her background. Bernie Wrightson, obviously, is a renowned comics artist, horror master, done some great work across the board. But this is this crazy... Very un-Spider-Man-like story, but that totally maintains the feel of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Basically, Spider-Man stops a uh, small-time crime and in the process meets up with this young girl, this teenage girl we come to know as Spindrifter. Just weird, trippy, out-there character. She's a teenage girl, but she's hundreds of years old. She's a sorceress from another dimension, and she comes to our dimension occasionally, gets adopted... Families notice she doesn't age. She's perpetually 12. She's perpetually 12. That's crazy. She's a super fun character because she both has, like, the youthful energy, but she also has this kind of, yeah, been there, done that, seen it all thing. She was Peter Parker's, like, paper girl when he was a kid. She knew Uncle Ben. She's got this weird connection to him. Anyways, she brings Spider-Man along to the dimension she lives in, which is just populated by these crazy, awesome, gross, bizarre creatures. She rides around like on a giant whale. It looks like something out of like Neverending Story or something. And it's 64 pages of them just going through these crazy exotic environments. They wear capes to fly. Ponchos. Ponchos to fly. I was very excited by the flying ponchos. They battle her bane, which is basically the creature created to destroy destroy her and it's this weird mutating thing where every time Spider-Man and Spindrifter beat it or every time Spider-Man beats it rather it mutates into something even more fantastic and out there and challenging and underneath it it's also this story of Spider-Man Peter Parker but he's in the mask so he's Spider-Man talking to this girl and like learning about her crazy life she's been around hundreds of years she has a weird relationship with her father she kind of wants to age she's not sure and they have to face these challenges together and I don't know I'm, I'm just going on and on because I really this comic took me by surprise I didn't know what to expect from it I loved it the art is incredible uh, it's Bernie Wrightson at the height of his just cool creepy super yeah. detailed fantastic that he's a master of horror, but this mixes horror with that cool, like, trippy fantasy stuff. It's really great. And the cool thing is, it's the original art by Bernie Wrightson, but I believe it's been touched up by our reproduction department, and it looks fantastic. Like, you've never seen Bernie Wrightson art like this. Like we said, if it's 64 pages long, it's an incredible adventure. I tore through it, but I got so much out of it, I was flipping back through it, so... This is our first book of the week, and already I'm just kind of going on and on. But I, I have a feeling a lot of people are going to pass this on the shelves and not know what it is. I sincerely encourage you, the shelves or the digital clicks, or what you call them. The digital clicks, The digital yeah. clicks, and you should really check out Amazing Spider-Man Hookie. You will not read anything else like this. It's it a humdinger. Is. Yeah, that's a perfect word for it. Man, I love that book. All right, also this week, Avengers Assemble Number 2 by Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley. This continues the Avengers featuring the team that you are familiar with from the Marvel's The Avengers film, facing off against this new crew of Zodiac. Things get crazy, hot and heavy. Taurus, the bull dude, knocks out Thor. Puts him down, not for good, but puts him down, beats up Iron Man, 
These guys are no joke. There's a, an object of power that is very important to them that the Avengers get involved with. There's also seemingly someone working with the Zodiac, and we don't know who that is, but there's a lot of elements going on here. Terrific book, lots of fun, big superhero, team action, lots of consequences for both sides. I really dig this book. Avenging Spider-Man number six begins the long-awaited crossover, The Omega Effect, which is going to cross through Avenging Spider-Man, Daredevil, and Punisher. This issue is co-written by Greg Rucka and Mark Wade. It is illustrated beautifully by Marco Cicchetto with art by Matt Hollingsworth. And they just they hit the ground running with some, some great stuff. It's all about the awesome character interactions between these three completely separate personalities. It, it's a perfect dynamic to explore. You've got the Punisher, who is just unrelenting, badass. Daredevil, he's, he's got some darkness to him, but he's, he's very witty, he's very quippy. And then, of course, Spider-Man, who's just in over his head. Daredevil has the Omega Drive. It's got all this info on these crime organizations. Punisher wants it. Daredevil doesn't want to give it to him. Uh, obviously, Spider-Man steps in the middle of it, and in the midst of it, the hand busts in. So we go from all this cool character interaction, some really funny lines between the three of them, and kind of some contrast to this big battle, the three of them, and Rachel Coles, the Punisher's... Coles Alves. Coles Alves. I wouldn't call her a sidekick. His no. partner, yeah. who has some great interactions with Daredevil as well, and who Spider-Man is just blown away by the fact that Punisher has this woman working with him. He's, Spider-Man's a great narrator for this whole issue, just blown way by the whole thing, but they get involved battling the hand, craziness ensues, the three of them come up with a plan, seeing them try to work together is, is worth the price of admission alone, and this is going to be a very fun crossover. This book was disgusting. I loved it. I just want to slap Blake in the face with the issue. Well, you can if you want. I know. One of the things I really dug about it, and I've been digging about Punisher, has been that the easy route would be to make Punisher and Rachel sort of find this romantic spark. That is not happening. They are a team hell-bent for vengeance, and it is business. There's definitely a connection between them, but the connection is purely a mutual interest in destroying everything in their past. And in terms of the Omega effect, working with these Cretans that they have to work with in order to get something done. Yeah. I love everything about this book. Okay, one of the cool things for this is since the Punisher has been back in the great series by Greg Rucka, he's been very kind of off to the side, barely even in some issues. And all the characters in that book were civilians, you know, Sir Scream is this larger than life urban legend. And he's just, you get the sense that he's like, you know, he's, he's untouchable. He's so big. So I love the fact that. Daredevil knows who he is. He's dealt with him for years. So he kind of busts right there. He calls him Frank. You know, he's very casual with yeah. him. And you, you can just see Punisher just like, mm, just like frustrated because yeah. he's like, why won't this guy just give me what I want? So it's like, that just means me. Spider-Man also just talks and talks and talks. So it's kind of cool with what Mark Wade and Greg Rucka have done with these characters, Daredevil and Punisher individually, to see them brought back interacting with one another. Their dynamic is fantastic. And worth noting before we move on, Avengers Spider-Man, as well as Avengers Assemble, both have codes for free digital copies. So if you get the print edition, you can also get a digital copy for free. Terrific. 
Carnage USA, number five, out this week by Zeb Wells and Clayton Crane. This is the ultimate final issue in the series. This is the big smackdown throwdown between Cletus Cassidy and Flash Thompson. But you've got a gorilla venom running loose. You've got carnage beasts and carnage people and all just kinds of nasty stuff. There's a carnage lion and the Avengers and just awful, crazy, wild stuff. It's a terrific, fun gruesome and ultimately heartbreaking story. Yeah, I, we, we did announce, we talked about a little bit about the next Carnage story. I don't think we said the name. We can say the name now. We haven't? We no. have. No, I don't think we've said it on the air because Tom Brennan came by. Tom Brennan's the editor of this book with such glee to tell us what the title the sequel to this is going to be. It's called Minimum Carnage. Minimum Carnage. And I know the story. We haven't revealed story details yet, but yeah. it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be crazy. That fight between Cleese Cassidy and Flash Ugh. Thompson, not Carnage and Venom. No. Cleese Cassidy and Flash Thompson is something to be old. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Deadpool number 53, part four of the Dead story arc. In fact, the penultimate chapter of Dead sees... Deadpool, who at the end of last issue was stabbed with a healing factor canceling serum by his old buddy Bob, agent of Hydra. This issue is Deadpool kind of explaining a lot of his plans, his machinations from the last few issues, as he's got a death wish. He's trying to manipulate X-Force, Tombstone, Kingpin, all these other guys to make it happen for him. He's explaining it to Bob. Bob is explaining what he's been doing throughout the whole thing. And it's kind of heartbreaking, because this is Deadpool's only friend, really. And you find out how much Deadpool means to Bob, and Deadpool finds that out, and he kind of realizes he's done some terrible stuff. There's some big things coming up in the final issue. X-Force is not happy at being used, and stuff is bubbling over, and stuff's going to go crazy in the, in the final chapter of Dead next issue. Yeah. All right, up next, Fantastic Four, number 605, by Jonathan Hickman. Ron Garney, Colors by Jason Keith. Can we get real for a second? Let's get real. Can we get real? Let's get real. You guys ready? I was reading this issue last Thursday, I believe. Very early on because you told me about it after you read it. Last Thursday, because we got our issues early. Early. Yeah. On the train home that evening, reading it, I started to tear up reading it. You guys know I've been talking about Fantastic Four and FF for many months and how much I am enjoying the series. This is a one and done, single issue story. It just about brought me to tears. Uh, it was really emotional. It was one of my favorite single issues this year. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. It's got some time travel. It's got Reed and his father, Nathaniel Richards. It's got Franklin. It's got Ben Grimm. It's just incredible. I don't even. I, I can't even speak about it much more. What you, what, you, what you can basically say without spoiling anything is this issue focuses on about a year ago, Ben Grimm got a serum so he can turn into Ben Grimm for a I think a day or a couple days every year. He, he can lose the yeah. thing, rocky exterior. This issue has Reed exploring what the other effects of that serum is. It's heartbreaking. It's touching. And you also get to see what it would look like if Thing grew a beard. Yeah. Which it's, is great. It's both heartbreaking and heartwarming. Yes. You know, it's, and it's a great story through and through. Yeah, it's heartwarming, it's heartbreaking, it's like a Blake Garris country music single. Makes me want to set Blake on fire and push him down a flight of stairs. Okay, so slap him in the face with Avenging... Wait, was Avenging Spider-Man? 
Yeah. yeah. Slap him in the face with Avenging Spider-Man. Light him on fire. Push him down the stairs. We gotta get a checklist. No, I wanted to slap him in the face with Spider with with Amazing Spider-Man. Hooky. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Or Aven- no, you're right. Avenging Spider. I want to slap him in the face a lot. Aven- Amazing Spider-Man. I'm gonna say this. Amazing Spider-Man. Hooky is 64 pages, so it has more heft. It's a good Probably point. Probably better to slap him in the face with. Yeah. The Avenging Spider-Man. You're gonna ruin it if you yeah. slap him with it. Fair enough. Anyways, Formic Wars, Silent Strike number five, written by Aaron Johnston, art by Giancarlo Caracuzzo. This is the final issue of Formic Wars, Silent Strike. It is the final battle between Earth and the Formics for now in this prequel to the Ender's Game saga. really gives a payoff for these characters who've been built up over five issues. It presents the Formics as this crazy, scary alien race, and it also sets a lot of stuff up for the world we know, Orson Scott Card's Ender's Game. So if you're a longtime fan or if you're a new reader, check this one out. Halo Fall of Reach Invasion number three by Brian Reed and art by Felix Ruiz. It's another story in in this big overarching tale we've been publishing about the Halo characters. Uh, you've got Master Chief, who everybody knows. We also have some of the other Spartans that have been developed through the program and you see some of their fates in this issue. The Covenant and the humans are pretty much in full-blown war in this issue. Brian Reed is totally enveloped in this world, in part because he's been working with these Halo characters for a while. Also, now he works on the team that makes the games. Like That's his job. He doesn't come up for air anymore. Except to watch baseball. I did love him some baseball. Yeah. But... You know, I'm a huge Halo fan. I think I say that every time I talk about one of these issues. But it's great. I mean, the dialogue and the action and everything is totally Halo. It reminds me of playing the games, watching the cutscenes, getting involved in the universe. I love it. This is great stuff. If you love the games, you're going to love this. Also this week, Journey into Mystery number 636. This is the conclusion to the terrorism myth story that Kieran Gillen and Richard Elson have been putting together. What, what more can we say about this book? It's got Kid Loki. It's got Leia. It's got... It's got like the Nightmare Lords. I don't know what they're called. It's the Fear Lords. Like the Fear Lords. It's all the different fear gods of the Marvel Universe. I it's thought you were going to zig and you zagged. I thought you were going to talk about Damon Hellstrom, but you went no, to the Fear Lords. I'll get, get there. The Fear Lords get center stage this issue. It's they really, really do. Loki manipulates these Fear Lords or all these different characters who represent fear in different ways. We get a board game in the middle. Yep. We're looking at right now. How many comics have a board game in the middle? Not since the 90s when I picked up the sole issue of Marvel Riot which was spoofing Age of Apocalypse and they had an Age of Apocalypse board game in the back. Have I seen a board game in a comic? But, you know, the greatest recap page in comics, Fear Lords against Nightmare, Damon Hellstrom shirtless and doing his thing. We gotta reconcile where exactly Damon Hellstrom's timeline is. That's just a major project we need to work on at some point. He's been in all these books and we gotta figure out what happens when. I was actually reading the trade collection of the new Defenders, like the 80s stuff last night, and Damon Hellstrom's in there. Completely unrecognizable. Just prim, proper, coiffed hair. Neither here nor there. This is a great issue. It's a lot of fun. You see Loki's plans come to fruition yet again, which these story arcs and Journey into Mystery kind of follow a pattern, but it's a great pattern, which is you spend a few issues with Loki kind of toiling in the background. You're not quite sure what he's doing. And then I love these final issues. You found out, oh, that's what Loki was up to this entire time, and it's very satisfying. There's some fun character moments with Leia at the end. Uh, another great issue of Journey into Mystery. Yeah, I mean, this is so good. It's awesome cover, too. Oh, yeah. She's one of my uh, favorites. Yeah. 
thus far. Stephanie Hans is just nailing these covers, and we've got the great crossover coming up between Journey into Mystery yep. and New Mutants. She has a great you know, connecting cover for that. That is the next step for Journey into Mystery. But that, those are two of our favorite books. Yeah, you guys got to read Journey into Mystery. It's, yep. it's too good to miss on a monthly basis. We've been talking for months now about the transition in Marvel All Ages title. Uh, we wrapped up the Marvel Adventures series a few weeks ago, and now we have Marvel Universe Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes number one. It is directly from, so you say from the pages of, but this is the reverse. So from the screens of Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the animated series, writer Christopher Yost is also a writer on that show. So this is pretty seamless transition. There are two stories in this issue. One illustrated by Christopher Jones has the Avengers taking on the Mandarin and Fin Fang Foom who have never appeared on the show. So this is kind of the first Mandarin story there. And then you have a great kind of recap of season one. So if you're picking this book up and you've never read the show, shame on you. But if you're picking this issue up, it gets you completely up to speed, everything you need to know. And then that one's illustrated by Adam DeCracker. Wonderful, all-ages stories, but just fun, zingy, great action, great art. Just the spirit of the Avengers and the characters you know and love done in something you can share with your kids, you can enjoy yourself. Very happy that the legacy of Marvel All Ages titles is continuing on into this great book. Mighty Thor, number 12.1. This issue was a lot of fun. This was interesting. It's written by regular writer Matt Fraction and drawn by guest artist Barry Kitson, who really turns it on in this issue. Does some really, really great work. Colored by Frank D'Armada great colorist, and it's narrated by Volstag and Sif, who are traveling along telling stories from throughout Thor's history that focus on the relationship between Thor and Loki, not as adversaries, but when they've been allies, when they've been brothers. And you get to see stories of Thor and Loki from their youth, from when they were coming up. You kind of get to see aspects of Loki as, you know, when he's trying to do the right thing, but how much of the right thing is he trying to do? The one I like best is Loki has been imprisoned and is being tortured by, I believe, I don't know if it's the Midgard Serpent. It's a serpent who's pouring poison into his eyes. It's directly out of Norse myths. And Thor stomps in to save his brother. Loki tells a lie about who's responsible. Odin's actually the one who imprisoned him there, but Loki tells Thor it was somebody else because he doesn't want to cause problems between Thor and Odin. It's very interesting. It's a lot of, all right, is Loki the jerk we always thought he was? It's even more dangerous than he thought. But also this issue is really about Thor's love for his brother and how, you know, we've always seen them as arch enemies, but they are brothers and they care deeply about each other. Thor certainly cares deeply about Loki, and it's kind of bookended by the fact that now Loki is a quote-unquote good guy again, and Volstagg and Sif kind of wonder, is his most dangerous weapon his big brother and his big brother's love for him? It's a really smart, interesting book. It's a nice standalone, but it sets up stuff that's going to be coming up in Mighty Thor, which I'm really looking forward to. I dug it, too. Yeah, man. I yeah, mean, you, you hit all those. You hit all the notes. It was you great. Did. New Avengers number 24 is our first Avengers versus X-Men tie-in outside of the main Avengers versus X-Men book. Pop, pop. And very interesting stuff, focusing on the New Avengers, obviously focusing primarily on Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, their relationship, 
It's taken a beating as of late. Jessica Jones basically ran off with their daughter when Norman Osborn invaded. She returns in this issue. Her and Luke have to talk out their issues, but the backdrop of all this is Avengers vs. X-Men is beginning. This kind of fits in between the pages of Avengers vs. X-Men. Captain America coming to all the Avengers. New, normal, secret. That was a great scene. Yeah. Fantastically illustrated by Mike Diodato and Will Conrad with Rain Barreto and written by Brian Michael Bendis. But yeah, you see all the Avengers coming together, figuring out what they're going to do. It has kind of the cool role for Red Hulk. Red Hulk is basically Captain America's right-hand man in this, which makes sense because they're going to war and Red Hulk is a military man. So he's the perfect guy to kind of plan strategy. And, you know, you'll see more of this as AVX goes on. But this is really is picking up. Bendis has always been good at this. He did it during Secret Invasion. He did it during Dark Reign. He uses the Avengers titles to focus on specific characters. And in the midst of these big stories, here are the smaller subplots that are going on. Big stuff for Luke and Jessica. Big decision in Luke's hands. Jessica Jones basically lays it on the line for him and is going to force him to make a choice that's going to be very, very tough in the next couple months. Scarlet Spider number four by Christopher Yost and Ryan Stegman. This has been such a great, fun book, but in this, one of the things I really dug about this issue is we get a sense that Kane is a total badass and he's awesome. And I didn't read a lot of Kane stories, you know, when he was first introduced, but it's always been like, he's so badass, oh, he's so big and scary and blah, blah, blah. This issue is very much a show don't tell issue. He has to face down some Assassin's Guild fools, and they are not fools in the sense that they can easily be whomped on. These are cool villains. Yeah, these are great villains. And he takes a beating, but he puts a bigger hurt on them, and he stands up against them and, and does some cool stuff. It's a great issue. I love the, the Houston setting. It's got yeah. a lot of fun elements to it that we just don't see. It's like the X-Men in San Francisco. You've got Kane in Houston. It mixes it up. It brings a new element to the environment because for us and for our characters, for our stories, the location is so important. It's like its own character. It's a supporting character for the book. I mean, you look at New York City and so many of our books, that's how something like San Francisco or Houston acts in these books. It's great. Love this series. King is always digging himself further and further down a hole, trying to get back up, but it's always fun to watch. Speaking of Stegman, no, yeah. His art, man. That guy. He's going to ask you when, when you interview him, hey, did you talk about me on the podcast? Hey, did you write about me on the site? Did you tweet about me? Facebook? MySpace? Friendster? I totally MySpaced him. Yeah. He, he likes to get his coverage, and God bless him. That's great. Secret Avengers number 25 by Rick Remender, Gabriel Hardman, Betty Brightweiser. The conclusion to... Remender and Hardman's first arc on Secret Avengers, and it is a doozy as usual. Rick Remender somehow defies physics, time, and space, and packs like three issues worth of stuff into one issue. We've got the Secret Avengers final showdown for now with the Descendants, specifically with the Adaptoids. We've got Valkyrie battling the Adaptoids and Venom coming to the rescue. Venom kind of proving his worth to the team. We've also got some very interesting storylines going on with the Human Torch, the original Human Torch, Jim Hammond, who is something of a forerunner to the Descendants. We learn more about Father's machinations. We learn about the history of the Descendants and great moments as well for Hawkeye, for Captain Britain, for Black Widow, for Beast, for Ant-Man. Really, there's no summarizing this book. you got to pick it up. you yeah. got to check it out and you will get your money's worth. And you get a couple of oh moments. Yep. Yeah. Some stuff that will really take you by surprise and is going to make this a very interesting book moving forward. Yep. 
Ultimate Comics X-Men, number 10, out this week by Nick Spencer, Paco Medina, Juan Velasco, colors by Chris Sotomayor and Marte Garcia. You know, I really dug this book in the last couple issues. You've got the mutants in this internment camp, and it's been really kind of shady, and what they're having to go through, they are rising up, revolution for the mutants in this. Led by Ultimate Stacy X. Yes. Yeah. I don't really know regular Stacy X that well. That was that was an interesting period in the X-Men time. She was a mutant. I don't know what how to hem around saying this on the air. She was a woman of the night, a working girl who joined the X-Men. She was world's oldest profession. Yes, she was a member of the world's oldest profession. Nudge, and, nudge, wink, wink. And used her pheromone power. And used her pheromone powers there. So her emergence to the Ultimate Universe is not quite on the level of Ultimate Maggot, but. Clearly, Nick Spencer is going to get every X-Men into the Ultimate Universe that he can. Rightfully so. But Storm, who's trying to rally everyone in sort of, not I wouldn't say opposition, but for a different voice to what Stacey X has, Colossus gets involved, Oof. things get crazy, yeah. fun book to pick up, and it, the Ultimate Universe is stirring and stirring and stirring into some crazy stuff right yeah. now. And again, free digital download code on that book as well. Free, free, free! Uncanny X-Men, prelude issue to AVX, really. Uh, this is the last time you see the X-Men and the Avengers. It's the last stop. The last stop on the AVX train. And uh, it's by Kieran Gillen with pencils by Carlos Pacheco and Paco Diaz. It's got the X-Men facing off against Unit, this great, super creepy villain dude. And you get a lot more background onto where he's come from, what his deal is, and how he just takes the X-Men down. Damn. Also, we get our awesome Namor moment. Oh, man, Namor, just killing it. Killing it as always. <laughs> He's killing something. In yeah. It. But, yeah, it's really terrific. And you find out that maybe everything isn't as it seems, or maybe it is. There's yeah. some swerves going on in this with Unit, with Hope, with Danger. There's so much crazy stuff in this issue. I really loved it. I mean, that's... And the Avengers, the basically, you know, the X-Men were helping the Avengers out with an alien invasion, and the X-Men just said, all right, we got to go, because they had to go save Hope, who was in danger of unit, and Captain America's not pleased about it. He doesn't know where Cyclops' priorities are. It's an interesting dilemma, kind of setting up AVX, your loyalty to your team versus saving the world, and it's going to carry through into the series and make things very interesting. Yeah. Kieran Gillen really has a penchant for these creepy, manipulative, calm... Villains. Makes you wonder. It's the British thing. Yeah. He, he's good. He's good yeah. with that stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this issue that I assume will come back to haunt our favorite characters in years to come. Yes. Really great. I love this series. Yeah. Winter Soldier number four features the Marvel team-up you've been waiting for as Bucky Barnes and Doctor Doom team up. And by team up, I mean Bucky's basically got to follow Dr. Doom around, trying to keep him out of trouble, trying to keep his ego in check. They have discovered that the Red Ghost, Lucia Bombardis, and a Doombot, as well as some other sleepers who the Winter Soldier trained, are all working together to try to sow chaos, to try to mess with the United Nations. So basically, Bucky and Black Widow turn to Dr. Doom for help. They reveal that Bucky's alive, and Dr. Doom's like, yeah, sure, I'll help you. And then pretends to be a big jerk, as always. Ed Brubaker White's one of my favorite Dr. Dooms, but it's just Winter Soldier and Dr. Doom going up against the Doom bot and the other sleeper. So it's really kind of a parallel thing. Got two sleeper agents facing off against each other. 
each other in Winter Soldier and the guy he trained and you've got Doctor Doom facing off against one of his own Doombots. Just the dialogue between Doctor Doom and the Doombot as they argue over which one <laughs> is actually Victor Von Doom and refer to themselves as we because that's how they roll. It's like listening to Blake talk to Stromy. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, almost a fraction of the greatness that goes on there. But, you know, great art by Butch Geis, as always. Great inks by Stefano Guadiano and that team, and great colors by Betty Brightweiser. I can sum it up by just saying I love how Ed Brubaker writes Dr. Doom, and I love how exasperated Bucky gets. Yeah. It's fantastic. Final book of the week is Wolverine, number 304. Remember last time we talked about Wolverine? <laughs> we said it was Jason Aaron's last issue we were misled we were lying right or lying yeah no this is jason aaron's final issue it's a and what an issue it's an issue the story is called one more round jason is joined by such an amazing lineup of artistic talent including steve dillon ron garney paul pelletier dave mikas mike perkins hefte paulo daniel cunha steven sanders and renato gates it's incredible this is jason aaron's greatest hits of wolverine he revisits pretty much every moment storyline character everything since he took over wolverine and just seamlessly it's like page to page this is like oh yeah that oh i remember that oh this is so cool it's almost torturous because it's like why are you doing all this in your last issue yeah this is so awesome i, I want to see more of this oh man it's incredible it's basically wolverine busting up saber cocktail party yeah for the enemies of wolverine saber has a cocktail party for all Wolverine's bad guys, and we find out how Lady Deathstrike and Lord Deathstrike are connected, which I kind of dug. You know, that part's illustrated by Steve Dillon, which in itself is awesome. Give me a second. Yeah, sure. All-time favorite artists, Jack Kirby and Steve Dillon. For me, Jack Kirby and Steve Dillon. I love all the other artists out there, and you guys know who I talk about and I rave over. Those two are my favorites of all time. You know who's not going to be happy about that? Ryan Stegman. Well, you know what, Ryan Stegman? You're going to need a couple more years, bro. Yeah, but just like the, let's call them interstitial pages, the interludes, so much fun stuff here. Checking in on bad guys who Jason Aaron hasn't dealt with in a while from literally every story he's written. We get the fate of Melita Garner, Wolverine's love interest for the last few years, and that's super fun. Oh, man. We, we check in on... Uh, just so much stuff. There's so much stuff. Was this an extra-sized issue? This is a normal-sized issue. Feels like it. It can't be normal-sized. There was so much in there. So much going on. We see Maverick. Oh, depressed Maverick. Maverick. It's oh, so sad. Man. Oh, it's just so good, you guys. So good, yeah. Uh, I don't think we can go on. I'm going to this rip this apart, yeah. turn it into a paper plane, and stab Blake with a paper plane. Yeah. All right, so once Blake's at the bottom of the stairs on fire, having been slapped in the face, he can be stabbed with a paper plane. Blake, how do you feel about all this? That's what happens. You know, lean in, man. Lean in like you usually do. No? Not going to do it? All right. He's not a crowd pleaser. I'll surprise you. All right. And, you know, last but not least, before we forget, there was also Avengers, the coming Wait, of the Avengers. Wait, hold on. Oh, you have more Wolverine? One more I'm Wolverine. I'm so sorry. Thing. I'm so There's sorry. There's a great bit in the last page, which is a checklist of all of Jason oh, yeah. Aaron's Wolverine stories. Yep. Which is terrific. Yeah. Because he, and I've said this many times, he has really done more to get me invested and interested in Wolverine as a character than I have been in a very long time. And uh, I heartily suggest you take heed of this checklist and read every single damn one of those issues. Yes, you can go start to finish. It's chronological, painstakingly assembled by Janine Schaefer. 
So you yep. know it's right. You done? I'm done. Is that it with Wolverine? That's it. I was, it was good stuff. But yeah, we also had Avengers, the coming of the Avengers, to get you ready for Marvel's The Avengers, the movie. This is a reprint of the original Avengers number one, recolored, regussied up. You can see how the Avengers first came together in comic book form. Swim of the week time. Swim of the week and how? This is a how? difficult one. How? I got four candidates. Yep. I, you know what? Do I have four or do I have five? One. Two, I have four. I have four. I think you may have different ones, but I'll put out there Amazing Spider-Man Hookie, my Dark Horse. Yep. Avenging Spider-Man. Yep. Take off the Omega Effect. Yep. Mighty Thor I really liked. Hmm. And also, which we just talked about, Wolverine number 304. All four of those were big for me. I think I would put Wolverine and Amazing Spider-Man Hookie a little above the other two. What, what do you have? Uh, I would go with Amazing Spider-Man Hookie, yeah. Avenging Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Wolverine, maybe Uncanny in there. But, yeah, I think for me, Wolverine and Fantastic Four edge slightly above the, the other three, just barely. Wolverine uh, was really something. Yeah, just Wolverine was incredible. all that art, too, in. Blake Garris, your thoughts? Amazing you got, Spider-Man. You got to read a lot of stuff this week. Yeah, well, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I haven't read Amazing Spider-Man, but I'm going to steal it from talking Oh, about. all right. So the one you didn't read is your tomb of the week, Amazing yes. Spider-Man Hookie. Yes. Nancy for the win? Amazing Spider-Man Hookie. Oh. Wow. So I would say Amazing Spider-Man Hookie and Wolverine kind of run neck and neck. It's yeah. hard to say because I don't know how many votes they count for realistically. Yeah, Nancy so says one. You said we each get a half. Oh, together you get one? Yeah, yeah you, you did make one. that rule. I did, I did, and I can't go back on it. Well, regardless, there's a lot of great stuff to check out this week. As always, please tweet us and let us know your Twim of the Week. Use the This Week in Marvel hashtag. And let's jump over from print into digital. All right. Now, just a reminder, all those books we talked about this week in print, also in digital, mm -hmm. get your fix. You want to read comics, read some comics, yo. Yeah, it's every one of them with the exception of Halo. Halo is not available on uh, the Marvel Comics app, but every other thing we just covered is available on the Marvel Comics app. There you go. Also on the Marvel Comics app, in terms of single issues, we have Avengers Academy, issues 10 through 14. Oh, as well as issues 7 through 9. Thank what? you for putting that in the wrong order, intern Carrie. What is she doing? Wow. Just... Lazy. Copy that section and put it above yeah. it. That's easy. So Avengers Academy, issues 7 through 14, just disappointing. The first three New Avengers annuals, New Avengers finale, which was wrapping up the entire New Avengers series, and the, actually the last four issues of the 2004 New Avengers volume, 61 through 64. Uh, I'm going to skip for a second and say we also have Thor issues number 411 and 412 and then go back because I'm super excited. I've been waiting so long for this because we've never had it on any sort of digital way. We have the first six issues of perhaps my favorite comic of all time, the original volume of New Warriors, the 1990 volume by Fabian Nicieza and Mark Bagley, the comic that really got me into comics. So much fun. Uh, Nova, Night Thrasher, Namorita, Firestar, Marvel Boy, Speedball, the heroes of the 90s. Love them, man. It was this great, fun book, which was also pretty heavy. It was young heroes, you know, having a good time dealing with each other, but also dealing with stuff you seriously did not see in any other books around that time. They dealt with environmental issues. They went to other countries and dealt with wars and insurgencies. They 
made tough choices. They did stuff that, you know, young people do. They got involved in controversial issues, and this is where it all started. The Art by Bagley is great. I love that book, so I hope people check it out on the uh, Marvel Comics app. Yeah, it's really good. All right, in collections this week, thanks to our buddy Max Beckman for the list, we have Black Panther, The Most Dangerous Man Alive, The Kingpin of Wakanda. That's a mouthful, but it's really, really good collection. Essential Avengers, Volume 8, Punisher Max, Frank, trade paperback, and Punisher Max, Homeless, premier hardcover. Spider-Man, The Complete Ben Riley Epic, Volume 4. X-Men Legacy, Lost Legions, and X-Men Dark Phoenix Saga. New printing of that one. Now that, of course, are the print collections on sale. Correct. Specify. What's our twin for that one? Dark Phoenix Dark Saga. Dark Phoenix Saga is a classic. Yeah, if you, you don't have that, you, you gotta that. own that. And yeah. It's really nice. It's all spruced up. New yep. collection. Looks great. Key reading going into AVX as well. True. We also... In terms of collections on the Marvel Comics app, the digital collections were released. Astonishing X-Men Volume 5, Ghost Box by Warren Ellis and Simone Bianchi. Avengers Mythos. Avengers The Origin. New Avengers by Brian Michael Bendis Volume 1. X-Men Steve Rogers, Escape from the Negative Zone. Great collection. And X-Men Curse of the Mutants. But, as always... That's not the only way you can get digital comics. You can also read them on Marvel.com via Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. And we had a whole batch of new stuff come out this week. We had Fear Itself, The Deep, numbers three and four. Fear Itself, The Homefront, number seven. Fear Itself, The Monkey King, number one. Fear Itself, Sins Past, number one. Issues one through three of Fear Itself, Uncanny X-Force. Fear Itself, Wolverine, one and two. And three. Look at that. Three as well. Fear itself, Youth in Revolt, numbers one through four. Love Fear itself. It, We're it's getting a, it all up there, man. Yeah. Uh, actually, all six issues of Fear itself, Youth in Revolt. Oh, wow. So, get all that. Moving outside of the Fear itself stuff, we have Bizarre Adventures, number 25. Which I don't remember what book that is. I think that, if I recall, that was an anthology back in the 80s, and that might be the issue where they had the secret origins of Jean Grey, Nightcrawler, and Iceman, I want to say. Or it could just be a random issue of Bizarre Adventures. That was cool stuff. There were some actually really cool, fun stories in Bizarre Adventures. Fun to check out. Black Widow, The Coldest War, number one, from 1990. Wow. Cool. I, mean, I love some, seeing stuff like this. There's some different stuff this week, man. This yeah. is neat. Excalibur, Double X Crossing? Yeah, that was like a one-shot special, an Excalibur book back in the 90s. That's terrific. Yeah. And finally, this week, we'll have Lorna, The Jungle Girl, issues 6, 7, 8, 9. So, Blake, your wait is over. Yeah. Those Lorna, are from, The Jungle Girl from 1954. Yeah. Four and big then, issues. Finally, Marvel graphic novel number one, The Death of Captain Marvel. That is a classic. Available on, you know, if you have a subscription, read that. Read it. Read it. Read it, 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 read it. Read it. Read it. Read it. So good, man. All right, so we're done with comics for the week. Now, before we kick it over to Strami, I just want to let you guys know that we're going to have a new costume for Marvel Avengers Alliance on Facebook. That's a Shadowcat costume. It's... It's cool. She's got the Shadow Cat gear on. It's going to bring new powers and fun stuff. Also, we released a new costume for Ms. Marvel on Marvel's The Avengers, on Marvel Avengers Alliance. So check those out. I think I have now Wolverine second costume, Spidey second costume, Cap second costume, Hulk second costume. Jeez. Well, they just, you need them. When you get so high level, you want them to be more utilitarian. It's great. Good word. Yeah. Good word. All right. 
Let's kick it over to Stromy for more. Hello, 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 This Week in Marvel listeners. This is Marvel.com assistant editor Mark Strom, a.k.a. Stromy, coming to you, as always, from sunny, gorgeous Los Angeles, from the heart of Marvel Studios, here to bring you the latest on everything Marvel movies, TV, and games. This will be a short bit today, since I am still scrambling to catch up on everything after the rather epic Avengers World premiere last night, which I will talk about more later. But first, I'm here to talk to you about Marvel Universe, because of course we have new episodes of Ultimate Spider-Man and Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes this Sunday. First off, we have a new episode of Ultimate Spider-Man. Kicks off at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Disney XD. This episode introduces Venom into the world of Ultimate Spider-Man. And I think that you will greatly enjoy this. Venom has a pretty different origin in... or The Venom symbiote, I should say, has a very different origin in this series than in the comics. But something that works very well within this world. And it's really actually pretty smart. The symbiote has ties to some of Spider-Man's more classic villains. Specifically, Norman Osborn and Dr. Otto Octavius who you will see both of in this week's episode. But yes, the Spider-Man and his uh, crew, Nova, White Tiger, Power Man, Iron Fist, they have to take down the Venom symbiote, and it's great fun. It's highly enjoyable, and it leads right into Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which follows Ultimate Spider-Man. This episode of Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes is called Acts of Vengeance, which warms the cockles of my heart. It will warm the cockles of any fan of the 80s. I don't know if that's grammatically correct. We're just going to move on and pretend it is. But, of course, Acts of Vengeance is the classic storyline from the late 80s in which Loki basically got all of the Avengers' big villains together and said, hey, you know, Red Skull, you can't beat Captain America on your own, so try fighting Spider-Man or, you know, other villains. Anyway, this is all a tangent because the Avengers vs. Mightiest Heroes episode is not actually fully based on that, but it picks up on some threads from season one. The Enchantress goes after the Masters of Evil for betraying her in season one at the end. So you basically have two sets of villains warring with each other, the Avengers stuck in the middle, and chaos ensues. That pretty much covers everything in this week on Marvel Television. So with that, I will send you back to Mr. Morrison Panagos, and I will be back with you shortly. All right, thanks, Stromy, for that update. Let's go straight into the news, starting with the comics news. Big news that we just kicked off was Spider-Man. You guys have been asking us what the heck is Spider-Man. We've been talking about it. We've been teasing it. We can tell you now. It is a five-issue limited series by Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli as part of Spider-Man's 50th anniversary, and it will feature Peter Parker, the original Spider-Man from the Marvel Universe, meeting Miles Morales, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. They're going to be 
meeting. It's going to be major ramifications for both guys. We did a lot of coverage this week. We spoke to the editors, Mark Panicia and Sana Aminat. We got kind of the inside story on how it came together. We also talked about a very cool Mark Bagley comic shop variant. If you guys have seen our comic shop variants in the past, you know that's a way to customize a variant for your store. And we're going to have a lot more to come on Spider-Man, but I am really excited for this project. Uh, yeah. A lot of people have been wanting to see this story, and we're going to bring it to you as part of Spider-Man's 50th anniversary story that you would never see. Big year for Spidey. Yeah. We also opened up a new facet of Marvel Digital Comics this week with our Marvel Digital Comics store. You can now purchase Marvel Digital Comics anytime, anywhere, through Marvel.com. For more information on that, visit Marvel.com, and you can get all the details on that. Yeah, also, those will link up with your Marvel account, your Marvel app. So if you have an app on your phone, your iPad, you know, iOS, Android, wherever you have the Marvel app, you buy it on the web store, you will also have access to it on your device. So it's great for syncing up. Say you're at home or at work and want to read something on your commute or later on, boom, buy it on the store, get it on your, your device. As Ryan mentioned, we got C2E2 coming up this weekend, and we teased some stuff we're going to be putting out there. Matt Fraction and David Aha are going to have a new project together. We have not said what it is. You're going to have to tune into C2E2. And to my co-host's excitement, we've got something going on with Gambit. What that is, you're, again, going to have to tune into C2E2 to find out or just listen for the pain screams from H&M. Uh, were you talking? I'm sorry. I was talking about Matt Fraction and David Aha's yeah, new I love project. That. I actually did love that. Yeah. I spoke to Mike McCone, one of my favorite artists, who's going to be doing an issue of Uncanny X-Force coming up, issue number 25. We spoke about that, how he came to the book, what the story's about, some of the cool new characters and locations he gets to design. It's going to be a lot of fun, and of course we debuted some art there. Other first looks at Daredevil number 12 by Mark Wade and Chris Samney, as well as Kev Walker's variant cover for Venom number 16. It's kind of a neat story. It's called Comic Book City USA. Basically, some comic store owners and also the mayor of Greensboro, North Carolina, Horseman Country. Mm-hmm. They are they are lobbying to become Comic Book City USA. There is a proposal into their city council to basically proclaim them this and. We spoke to the mayor, we spoke to some of the people there, and we got all the info and insight. Mr. Mr. Tim Stevens, uh, Ungaje, spoke to them, and you can find out all about Greensboro's bid to become Comic Book City USA. We spoke with Victor Gishler about his final arc on X-Men. Really dug that book. Looking forward to seeing his last stories on that. More Hulk Smash Avengers coverage, talking to Tom DeFalco as well as Roger Stern. We had a psych ward on the Ultimates, which featured not only Tim Stevens, but thankfully he had help from Sam Humphreys in analyzing the Ultimates. And finally, rounding it up with AVX News, we talked about the debut of AVX War Journals, the very cool documentary series over on MTV. You can see me in those if you look closely. If you look very closely, you, you can check it out. And we wrapped up the AVX What The stop motion animation special glorious fashion one of the proudest things I've ever been involved in if you haven't seen all three parts of the AVX what the special I really really hope you will give yourself six minutes to check it out I can't believe they let us get away with it I'm, I'm actually super proud of you Ben and Alex oh, for getting that all put together and doing such a fine job with it, it really really is, great it really is Alex Kropenak his genius and tireless complete lack of sleep that made this beauty and I'm, I'm really happy about it yeah all right we're gonna kick it to Strami in a second but I'll just briefly mention that I've been ensconced in 
so much Avengers craziness. We're recording this on Wednesday, April 11th, and the premiere is tonight. We're going to be live blogging it. We're going to be live streaming it. So if you guys are listening to this and you didn't get to watch it live, you will be able to reread our live blog. You'll be able to rewatch the stream at your leisure. Watch it, grab some popcorn, find a friend, hang out, talk about clothing and all the action on the red carpet as you are wont to do when you watch red carpet fun stuff. It's actually super fun. We got great hosts, huge team, really big production for this. This hasn't happened yet, so fingers crossed that Nothing goes wrong. Yeah. If not, like, edit out this entire section. Yeah. You won't have to. Everything's going to be great. Everything's great. In addition to that, this weekend, there are fan screenings throughout 10 cities throughout the country. If you guys go to that, have fun, but get there early. Those are going to be terrific. I know a lot of fans are going. If you go in costume, you may be able to get a special seat for some prizes. The premiere, yeah, the fan screenings. So many videos and clips and, and all kinds of fun stuff. I mean, it's just... Avengers, 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 it's big and it's getting bigger and crazier and um, yeah, if you guys aren't following at Avengers on Twitter, please do if you're not a fan of Avengers on Facebook, please like them lots of fun stuff, I don't want you to miss any of the the action as we get closer to May 4th alright, Stromy, hopefully I didn't take away any of your thunder, take it away hello again, this week in Marvel listeners so, I mentioned it earlier last night We had the Avengers World premiere in Hollywood. It happened at the El Capitan Theater, which is Disney's theater in Hollywood. It's right on Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood and Highland, for those of you who know the geography. It was incredible. I was on the red carpet. We were, of course, live. I hope you tuned in and caught us live last night. If you didn't... You're in luck, because you can go to Marvel.com and replay the entire show. You can see all the photos we posted during the event. You can re-watch our interviews with the talent. You can watch the Avengers assemble on stage again at the end of the premiere. And it it was just... uh, I don't have words. I, I just... I saw the movie as well. And it was, it was, it was, I, hmm, I'm trying to find a way to express my joy and happiness without using curses that our wonderful associate producer, Blake Garris, will then have to edit out. But it was just so good. It's everything you guys are hoping for and more. I'm just literally at a loss for words for it. Everyone is incredible. Everyone has their moment to shine. Loki is incredibly villainous. It's everything you could possibly imagine from a Joss Whedon-directed Avengers film. If you're a fan of Joss's other work, you probably know somewhat to expect. I'm a huge fan of Joss's other stuff. I've seen everything else he's written and directed. He really, really upped his game on this one, which I didn't even think was possible because his game was already just that good. But he somehow managed to excel himself, which is just a marvel to see if you will pardon the pun but of course it doesn't come on theaters for another three weeks so in the meantime we will still have plenty of new 
clips, featurettes, interviews, et cetera, et cetera, for you, including some new stuff this week, such as a new clip from the film featuring Tony Stark outside of his Iron Man armor having a discussion with Loki. And we all know that as Iron Man, Tony Stark can go up against the biggest bads. But what's impressive about this is that this is Tony Stark facing off against Loki without any armor on. He's just standing up to Loki, telling him how it is. It's really a sight to see. It's got some great lines of dialogue in it. Go check it out on Marvel.com right now. We've also got a new TV spot that we unveiled earlier this week, which features some new footage. We have a new featurette, which we will be debuting today, which talks a little bit about the origins of the Avengers and how they came together. And we also unleashed three new interviews, written interviews, of course, with Mark Ruffalo, with Tom Hiddleston, and with Chris Hemsworth. Well, actually, if you're listening to this on Thursday, when the podcast goes up, the Chris Hemsworth interview will be tomorrow. But if you're listening to this any day after Thursday, when this podcast goes up, the Chris Hemsworth interview will be up there with the rest of them. You can head over to marvel.com, check them all out. We'll, of course, be bringing you even more Avengers goodies all next week, all the week after that, all the week after that. it's going to be Avengers nonstop from here on out, guys, because this movie is so good, and I am so excited for everyone else to be able to see it as well. Moving on from the Avengers, but still keeping with Jaws Whedon, we had the DVD release of Astonishing X-Men Dangerous this week, which is, of course, Marvel Knights Animation's production of the Astonishing X-Men series. We released Astonishing X-Men The Cure some time ago, which of course adapted the first arc of Jaws Whedon and John Cassidy's Astonishing X-Men run. Dangerous adapts the second arc. For those of you who don't know what Marvel Knights animation is, it takes the comics themselves and really brings them to life. It literally takes that art and animates it. And it's this really spectacular thing. They find great voice talent to bring the characters to life. And it's really phenomenal to see these stories that we all love and have read and reread and reread and reread and have them brought to life. And of course, it's more Jaws Whedon gold. So if you find yourself in a hankering for Jaws Whedon before Marvel's The Avengers comes out, have no fear. You can go get Astonishing X-Men Dangerous and still get your Jaws Whedon fixed to tide you over. So, that pretty much covers it. With that, I bid you adieu. I send you back to Ryan and Ben, and I will speak with you again next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, Strami. He right. certainly brought the thunder. He brought so much thunder. All right. Time for questions and comments. Again, if you guys want to send us questions and comments and have us answer them and talk about them on the show, tweet using the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. And you can also tweet to us, but we'll give you our names later. Just most importantly, use the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. All right, first up, from 
Al at JNA Studios tweets, are there any plans for Agent Coulson to appear in 616? It's an interesting idea. Yeah. It's interesting it hasn't come up yet. I mean, Agent Coulson's, of course, very popular in the movies. He's going to be in the Ultimate Spider-Man. Already movie. is. He already is. My DVR is a little backed up. Too much Gossip Girl? Too much. Uh, just, just i got to get straight to the Gossip Girl. So once I cut through there, I'm looking forward to watching those episodes. But, yeah, I mean, it'd be very cool to see him in the Marvel Universe. So I guess stay tuned. From at Alex underscore Morales, he wants to know if there's a way for people to contribute to the character wikis on Marvel.com. So if you go to Marvel.com slash universe, there is a whole section, and it is actually all fan-created content. So if you want to help and contribute, we, we encourage that. There are some moderators who help shepherd that stuff along, but it really needs you guys, the fans, to add to it, contribute to it, and to update it as often as possible. There are their instructions on that section. If you still can't find it, tweet to us and, and let us know, and we'll, we'll direct you exactly where you got to go. But yeah, if you love Marvel and you want to contribute where you can, this is a great way to do it. At Brad the YM tweeted about uh, Marvel coupons in Canada and the U.S. I actually don't have an answer for your question, Brad. We'll see what we can do. But if you want to email online support at marvel.com, we can see what we can do with that. At Zook Zoltan, tweet or send an email to online support at marvel.com and in the subject line put re Mar agent M slash this week in Marvel and we'll let them know that that's a priority for you and I'll tell them personally. At Epoch 252 tweets, will Marvel anime be broadcast released in the UK? Love to see them. It's a good question. I don't know. It's hard for us to nail down those specific releases in other countries because we just don't get that information as readily. It's different carriers and different people and places. I do have the Iron Man anime and X-Men anime DVDs at my desk, so hopefully they'll hit your region soon. Maybe Strami can chime in on Twitter to help you out a little bit. At D McGinnis 37 tweets, why is it that Jason Aaron is writing AVX when it seems to be more focused on Kieran Gillen's Uncanny X-Men team? Well, it may seem to be more focused on Kieran Gillen's Uncanny X-Men team, first and foremost, but that doesn't mean that's going to be the whole story. Uh, a lot of characters are going to get involved in this book, and it's also important to know that Kieran Gillen has been a big part of AVX. Just writing the Uncanny X-Men issues themselves, he's actually done a lot of the setup for the payoff that's going to come. He's been involved in all the story conferences. So the actual scripting has come down to a few guys, but the AVX process has been much broader than that. It involves anyone who's working on I mean, it involves Rick Remender, too, who's working on some Avengers characters. Pulls in a lot of guys. So even though Jason Aaron is writing certain issues, that certainly doesn't mean Kieran Gillen's not playing a huge, huge role, as he would be the first to tell you. All right, so the other part of Dave McGinnis's question is, how does Marvel decide who works on a given crossover event? Sorry if the question is a bit broad. Uh, it's an interesting question. Tough to answer because no two crossover events are the same, but you know a lot of it comes down to who has been working on the build-up to this event, who knows the event best, who is editing the book, who do they feel comfortable with. But, I mean, a lot of the stuff here at Marvel, as we know from our creative summits, it's done by a lot of guys contributing. So you may have ten writers in a room together basically breaking a story, and then one of them going, hey, I'd really like to write this, or a bunch of them going, hey, I think so-and-so would be the right guy to write this. So a lot of it is decided by committee. Some of it's assigned by editors, but it's a very collaborative 
collaborative process. And even though, again, you're seeing one guy credited perhaps as a writer on the page, doesn't mean he's the only guy who contributed to it. It never means that because it's always a collaborative process. A question and a follow-up comment from at Bibliotech. Question is, my husband wants to try out a few Avengers comics in time for the movie. Do you have an arc issues, suggestions, favorites, and then follow up. I was thinking of starting off with the heroic age, but there are so many classic Avengers stories to love. I feel like we've answered this one a few times. Always happy to answer it again, particularly for Bibliotech, who's one of my favorite kind of new school this week in Marvel, Twin Maniacs, and coming at lately for a lot. The old standbys we always go to, we talk about Kree Scroll War, classic story, Avengers Forever, one of myself and Ryan's personal favorites, although maybe not the best thing to hand to a beginner. Right. It's pretty dense. Kurt Busiek and George Perez's Avengers run, the Brian Michael Bendis stuff, Avengers Assemble, which yeah, is coming say, out now. Avengers Assemble, yeah. two issues deep, and that that's a definite book for if you're interested in the movie, you want to check out some comics, some yeah. characters, it's top writer, top artist. I mean, it's, it's really great. Interesting one we just put out was uh, Avengers the Korvac Saga. Mm-hmm. That's a big honking Avengers story. And, of course, Avengers Under Siege, one of the best Avengers stories of all time. Yeah. The Masterworks are really cool. If you, mm-hmm. you pick up some of the old Avengers Masterworks, they're great. All pretty much one-and-done stories from those, and they're fun and very bombastic and big. And I mean, you can really mix it up a lot. The Heroic Age stuff has some cool stuff, but yeah, try to keep it more to to some arcs or stories that we mention. Yeah, you, also, you, you know what I forgot is uh, the original Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes by Joe Casey and yeah, that, Scott that Collins. Yeah, that was really good. Retelling the origin of the team. That's seminal Avengers reading for me. And, of course, the prelude to Marvel's The Avengers, the digital comic, which is also in print, that tells the story of all the films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how they tie together. The story is Fury's Big Week. It's really great. I love that one a lot. That's a great way to sort of get your comic book Jones going, and then you can dive into the, the characters that are a little bit different because they're in the comic universe. At jman15393 tweets, how many AVX books are there going to be? You know what? I think I can actually perhaps cover this from memory. We've got the main Avengers X-Men series, which is 12 issues long. We've got AVX Versus, which is the side series. Fight, 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 fight. All fights. And then as far as tying in, you've got Avengers, New Avengers, Secret Avengers, and Avengers Academy. And then over on the X-Men side, you've got Wolverine the X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, and X-Men Legacy. And I think, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be others that come up along the way, but I think that's pretty much it. Actually, I think we've said that the only the books with Avengers or X-Men in the right. title are getting involved. But not even all of those, because Avengers Assemble is still on its own. It's true. Astonishing X-Men is still on its, it's own. True. So, you know, but cover those books, and that should get you covered. I mean, you don't need to read all the times. You can really get it all from reading Avengers X-Men, but all of those are going to be pretty spectacular stuff. It's going to be pretty exciting. So I think you, this, this is a pretty easy event to get your head around. Yep. It does not have 8 million crossovers. It's not going into books that it doesn't make sense in, like it's not in Fantastic Four. It's not in Scarlet Spider. So you'll get a good sense of what's going on if you follow those books. Yep. Another one from Jman15393 tweets, who does the what the show? Well, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Myself, Alex Kropenak, and Jesse Falcon serve as producers on the show, so we kind of oversee the whole thing, but we've got a whole long staff of writers who work with us. Uh, we'll take point on any number of episodes. We've got great writers. Ryan's one of the writers. We've got guys like Sean T. Collins, Justin Acklin, some of the guys here like John Moisen. John Gutierrez. John Gutierrez, who's another guy off-site. Josh Skye, Mark Basso. I'm sure I'm forgetting some people. John Cerulli plays a key role in kind of steering everything around. 
sounds. I do the voice direction once we've got a script locked in. Basically, once we've got a script locked in and approved by legal, we'll go over, we will record the different voices, and we'll send it, and that's when our video team steps in, they help us out. Then we'll send it over to Alex, and then Alex just goes to town doing the animation, putting the voices in. and Yeah, so we've got a great team yeah. behind what the, it's just, it's incredible. You guys have done such great work over the last couple of years with that. At Mike Biller tweets, little late, but I really enjoyed Agent M and Stromy's This Week in Marvel interview with Sam Humphreys. Very cool, insightful stuff. More, please. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the compliments. We will have more of these, as we said earlier in the show. Blake and I are going to C2E2. We're going to interview all the Ryan Stegmans we can find and possibly some other humans, maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see if Ryan segment lets you talk to other people. Yeah, it's going to be Easier tough. said than done. Yeah. We should do a, a diary of Ryan segment just day by day. Have you, you've never met Ryan, have no. you? Blake has no idea what he's getting into. Nope. It's great. Blake just shook his head no for those of you who are listening, who are all of you. He doesn't yeah. realize this is a very audio-centric uh, show. Oh. Yeah, they can't see what you're doing. <laughs> like that shrug. I didn't see that shrug. Moving on. All right. At Howard the Duck underscore underscore, whose real name is Nathan Crosby. It sounds familiar. Yeah. But it's not. It's not. Tweeted, will Howard the Duck possibly be getting a mini series or maybe a reunion of the Fearsome Four anytime soon? I haven't heard of any upcoming plans for Howard the Duck or the Fearsome Four, but, I mean, Howard the Duck's a perennial favorite. He's always going to pop up. Yeah. There's not really anything where I think he actually might be in the next Marvel Zombies series. He is. Yeah, he is so he'll be indeed. there. He'll be there. There you go. So there is some Howard the Duck coming up in your future. At PCE underscore Deadmeat tweeted, do you expect to see Winter Soldier in the Captain America sequel scheduled for 2014 and Red Skull or a new villain? Well, PCE underscore dead meat. We can't tell you all these things. The only information we have released is that the Captain America, the first Avenger sequel, will be released on April 4th, 2014, and it picks up where Captain America's story in Marvel's The Avengers left off. So it will be Cap and Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D., and that's all we've said so far. No supporting characters otherwise, no villains yet. It's all open out there anything is possible but nothing is confirmed so stay tuned at pc underscore demeet also tweeted on your advice from the last this week in marvel i tried to web swing i hurt myself badly what did i do wrong okay whoa 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 nowhere in any podcast did we advise anyone to web swing we very specifically said do not web swing do not try this at home do not do not do not do not do not do not you are neither miles morales nor peter parker nor kane nor ben riley nor may parker nor anya corazon anya corazon you are none of these people Do not web swing. So what you did wrong was do the exact opposite of what we said, and that always leads to bad things for anybody. Yeah. Always listen to us. We are perfect. All right. Hey. 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 That's enough, Nancy. Yeah. At QY underscore hookup tweets any word on War Machine in Marvel's The Avengers. Nope, no word. Honestly, if War Machine was going to be in the film, we would have probably said so and we would have used some cool stuff around that are we sure that's for the movie 
Could that possibly be for the comics? Should we answer it both ways, just in case? Sure. QI underscore Hulk up. If you are by chance talking about War Machine in the Avengers comics, I think you will actually see War Machine coming up in Secret Avengers. I know when Rick Remender took over Secret Avengers, War Machine was part of the cast. He hasn't been in the recent issues, but Rick did say they would at some point address his Avengers status. And he's an AVX as well. So, movie, no luck. Comics, you're going to have some luck. Another one from at QI underscore Hulk up. He tweets, Darwin versus Karnak. Who wins? It'll be the longest, most boring, excruciating fight ever because Karnak can find the weak spot on anyone and Darwin can adapt to any attack. I don't think it would be boring. I think it would just be like... incredibly boring. They can't hurt each other. But Darwin has no offensive capabilities whatsoever and everything Karnak does, Darwin's just going to defend against. There's no back and forth. It's just Karnak hitting and Darwin deflecting it. So you see a glass half empty, I see a glass half full. Full of what? Awesome. Who wins? I think Darwin wins because eventually Karnak has to give up. He's going to get tired. Yeah. Exhaustion makes cowards of us all. It's a good line. Yeah. What's it from? I forget. Cool. I think I did it wrong, too. All right. At Ref Gemlin tweeted, After learning that comics have letters pages for a reason on This Week in Marvel, I will soon be reading it in Avengers Academy. Stay tuned. Ooh, I like that twist there. Christos Gage, send the check in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> you can PayPal me, Christos. Yeah. You have my email. Money, 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 money. Money! At Ref Gemlin also tweets... Avengers Alliance, characters we'd like to see. Nova and Namor, good ideas. What about Songbird? Ooh, Songbird's a good one. Hashtag Screaming Mimi. That would be one of Strami's picks. Songbird's one of his favorite characters. She's great. potential there. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Some cool alternate costumes, too, because you can have her old school Screaming Mimi gear. Yeah. Different hair lengths. Fright wig. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. At Ref Gemlin also tweeted, Question. At the end of AVX number one, several Avengers are carrying <laughs> large pole arms. What are they? This is interesting because on the This Week in Marvel mini podcast, Nick Lowe called Tom Brevoort out about this exact question and said, What are they? Nick accused Tom of having them holding on to the joust weapons from American Gladiators. They're because, not? Because Tom is a big American Gladiators fan. And then Nick revealed that it is, in fact, Nick who is the big American Gladiators fan. We did not answer the question. Fantastic. So I have no idea what they are, but I, yeah, I'm going to stick with Nick's answer. They swung by the old set of American Gladiators, picked up the joust sticks, and that's what they're carrying into battle. You know why the Avengers may not win? Why that? They don't have Gemini, nor Ooh. Ice, nor any of the amazing American Gladiators. Nitro. Nitro. Laser. <sighs> I mean, they could wipe the floor with the X-Men if they had the Gladiators. So it was Avengers versus X-Men versus American Gladiators. I think we know who would win. Yeah. And now I have the American Gladiators theme song in my head. Yeah. Play, we'll play it when we go back to the computer. Good. At Ref Gemlin tweeted, Are Marvel AR tags only going to be in printed comics? It was interesting that they weren't in the digital copy. I don't know how that would work. Well, you know what? The thing is... The tags don't show up in the digital comics, but they actually do work because the AR effects are triggered by images. So if you hold it up to an image of the cover, as long as you don't have a lot of glare on your computer, you should be able to trigger it. You just have to sort of, unfortunately, they don't, they're not in the digital book, so you have to know what to key off of. Yeah. It definitely works. You just have to finagle a little bit. I'm picturing like holding one iPhone over another iPhone. I, I don't even know. Your explanation was better. Yeah, I mean, if you have 
say a an iPad, it's gonna yes. be easier. That would be easier. Yeah, or a computer. Yeah, computer. Another question from at Ref Gimlin. You mentioned that the cover of AVX has Marvel AR marker that shows the trailer. Not true for variant covers? No, because it, like I was just saying, it, it triggers off of the image that is the standard cover for AVX number one, not the variant images. So it's just that one image. It, it's just how it works. That is the way. At Ref Gemlin tweets to, ooh, Blake Garris says, <laughs> that fanfare needs work. Pen Ultimate deserves more. Agreed. Yeah. I'll work on it. Give us some new fanfare. No, oh, no not right now. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. moment passed. He doesn't do well under pressure. The moment passed? What moment? The moment that I was thinking of it. <laughs> what? I'll have to work on it. Yeah, you work on it. Something like, yeah. come on, Come on, you that. can do it. Get out of that shell. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Hmm is not going to yeah, cut it. Like that's not fanfare it. enough. You come here next week with some fanfare ready. Uh, I we'll put you. it in this one. Dang it. Dag nabbit. Yeah. Confound it. Ungaji tweeted about implying that something was Blake Garris's fault, so Ungaji gets five twin points. Ungaji's back on the positive side of yep. this week in Marvel. Blame Blake Garris, you get some twin mm. points. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We've got some from Roman Belcher, at the Ninja 1991. I didn't know that was your name. Good. Okay. All right. Question is, who do you think is the funniest person in Marvel? Spider-Man, Deadpool, Hawkeye, Human Torch, who? It's tough. They all have slightly different senses of humor. What about Iceman? No. How can Iceman not be in the money there? Man. Accountants are hilarious. You're not hanging out with the right accountants. Apparently I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I think Spider-Man. Yeah. He's got the quickest wit. Spidey's a genius. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he's everything. So yeah. he is very smart, very funny. Deadpool's a little too outside the box. Hawkeye tempers it with kind of some meanness. Human Torch Song. is pretty funny, but I don't think he realizes he's funny. Spider-Man gets it. Yeah. Totes Spidey. Another one from the Ninja 1991. Last week oh, yeah. he told us that his theater was not showing the Marvel movie oh. marathon. He said, they changed their mind. My theater is showing all the Marvel movies, but not the Hulk. FYI, I work at a rave theater. And so is that like a... Nancy? You, you know. You're a, you're a young person. You, you're hip. What do these rave theaters have? I don't know. I'm not no? down. I'm not jiggy with it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> obviously yeah, not. Obviously not. <laughs> jiggy was, with it. That was maybe my favorite moment of this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. But hey, watch the movies you can. And then... Add the Ninja 1991 finally tweets, I like the DD movie, lol, sorry, Agent M. DD is Daredevil, the coming out of the woodworks, the I Daredevil think, army. It's, I mean, we can't, we don't go a week without getting that comment at least once or twice. I, I think folks are just jumping on this bandwagon, showing support because it, it's the it's unpopular, the cool, it's thing. the cool thing to do. Now it's becoming the cool, it's like they're all Daredevil hipsters. Yeah, that's cool, I'm fine with it. I'll be a Daredevil hipster and go down to Brooklyn later and watch Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> with my Birkenstocks. I don't. I have nothing. I, I have, you have stunned me. Okay. Final two questions are from Simon Sebs. Simon Williams tweets: Any chance of Squirrel Girl showing up in Avengers vs. X Men? That is one of the most commonly asked Avengers vs. X Men questions, according to Tom Brevoort. You know. If you read New Avengers, you get Squirrel Girl. Yeah. It is an Avengers vs. X-Men tie-in. Boom. Cha-ching. So many people have asked for it. I have a feeling she'll be back before the story's over. I hope she gets in uh, a versus story. Yeah. Who'd you put her against? Danger? 
Danger versus Squirrel Girl. I would put Squirrel Girl has beaten Doctor Doom. I know. You Danger really, has no you gotta, chance. You got to challenge her. You got to really put her out there. I put her against Warlock. That'd be fun. That'd be great. That'd and be then they hug. Yeah. Like they, they just become hang out friends. And eat, eat food. Yeah. So Oregon's Deadpool. They have history. They do. They do. Mm. Cool. Final question from at Simon Sebs. Had a dream last night. I was playing an AVX fighting game. Any chance of that becoming real? No. So as much as we try to make all your dreams come true, not this one. Yeah, we, we do have a lot of games, yeah. plans and development and stuff that I, I see the updates every week and all kinds of stuff I will not tell you about. Yeah. Look, you know what, I guess any chance of this becoming real? Sure, there's a chance of the moon turning into a robot and coming and hanging out with us on the podcast. Really? There's a definite chance. Likelihood? Slim. What you can do is just go on Avengers Alliance, go to PvP, make an all Avengers or all X-Men team, and then just keep playing people until you find a team comprised completely of the other side. There you go. There. Solution. Boom. Your dream has come true. Dream makers. That's us. Here on This Week in Marvel. Perfect way to end this episode. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Strong. Thank Carrie. She screwed up again. She, it's, the only way, nice. it's the only way she can learn. That's not true. I'm it's all the hard. only way she's ever going to learn. <laughs> It's not like she listens anyway. No. Horrible. Ever. Intern. She doesn't listen to the podcast or to anybody. Yeah. Especially thank you to all the listeners and everybody who's tweeting us comments and questions. Again, if you have comments and questions for This Week in Marvel, use the hashtag This Week in Marvel when you tweet them. You can also tweet directly to at agent underscore M, at Ben J. Morse, at Blake Garris, at Strami, at Bounty Rolos, and at Fangirling Daily. And, uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah, I'm going to go back to my crazy Avengers world now, yeah. where everything I do is about Avengers or C2E2. Yeah, C2E2, coming up this weekend. Pop, Get pop. Psyched. Pop, pop, indeed. Thanks, guys. This is Marvel, your universe.